Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Saturius Johnson. Today, we'll meet up with four L.A. locals who share one common attribute. All of them originally hail from Canada. According to the Maple Business Council, more than 40,000 Canadians currently live in the L.A. area, and we want to find out why. We'll start with Janet Zuccarini, who founded numerous restaurants in Toronto before launching Felix on Abbott Kinney Boulevard. It happens to be a favorite of some folks you might know. Sometimes it's easier to say who has not been there. Leonardo DiCaprio comes in a lot, and Brad Pitt was just in about two weeks ago. Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro, Drake, Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> After that, Emmy-winning voice actor Eric Bauza. What's up, Doc? Bugs Bunny here. And Daffy Duck, you're listening to California Now. Eric also came to California from Toronto, as did rock band The Darcy's, whose music you're hearing right now. They share a few of their favorite spots in Los Angeles and even play a couple songs live just for us. That's all coming up on California Now. My first guest opened numerous restaurants in Toronto before she launched Felix Trattoria in the Venice neighborhood of Los Angeles in 2017. That fall, Esquire's Jeff Gordonier, a California Now podcast regular, ranked Felix the number one new restaurant in America, saying it feels like the incarnation of everything life ought to be. In addition to Felix, Janet Zuccarini is also a Top Chef Canada judge and the entrepreneur behind several Toronto eateries. She's here to tell us about Felix, what brought her to L.A., and everything she loves about living in the Golden State. Welcome to California Now, Janet. Thank you for having me. Sure. You know, and you know, you worked in the restaurant business for years in Toronto before deciding to come to California. What brought you to Los Angeles? My story is pretty much a typical story of many Torontonians, and that is the desire to uh, have a little more sunshine. <laughs> uh, you know, I was uh, thinking about where I could go that could be something that could be relevant to what I do and an exciting market that I could enter into. And I spent a little time in Miami checking that out and then hopped on over a little further away to Los Angeles. And for me, it was really love at first sight. And I can't say that I knew LA very well at all. I had only been a couple of short trips over the years. And when I landed, I landed in Venice. I just knew in that moment that not only did I want to live there, have a second home in Los Angeles, but I knew that I wanted to open up a restaurant and uh, I found it full of exciting opportunities. Yeah. And you know, and after so many years of hard work, once you opened Felix in LA, it seems like you hit a whole new level of success. Felix for me was really one of my first chef-driven restaurants. And I was going to uh, take all of my experience over 20 plus years in the restaurant business and kind of do my best work and find a chef that had a following. And his name is Evan Funky. And he um, you know, had established himself already in Los Angeles. We opened up Felix together. And uh, for me, it, I was also in a dream location. I, I was dreaming of uh, being on Abbot Kinney. And I ended up looking all over LA. And I lucked into this uh, location that Felix has now been Therefore, we're six years going strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned the area uh, in the Abbott Kinney Boulevard area. So what makes that area special? Like, why why did you want to be there? What drew you to it? L.A., as everybody knows, is such a driving city. You have to drive everywhere. And Abbott Kinney 
is one of the only walking streets, one of the true neighborhoods where you can step out and have great restaurants and grocery stores. There's an Erewhon. There's everything you need um, in walking distance. And that just appealed to me to have um, this uh, more of this walking neighborhood place where I could have my restaurant. And not to pile on the accolades, in addition to what Jeff Gordonier, you know, the kind words he had for your restaurants, you know, Felix was Eater LA's Restaurant of the Year. It was also recognized in the 2019 Michelin California Guide. What do you think sets Felix apart? We were also nominated for a James Beard. <laughs> okay, there you go. Let I me mean, throw, and the hits keep coming, throw, right? Let me just throw another accolade there. We were, we were, <laughs> we were really happy about that. Yeah. You know, we just I think that... Um, for me, I, w- I wanted to bring, uh, when I say myself, also my team, we wanted to do our best work with Felix and finding an incredibly talented chef. And the food that we can do in Toronto, you can only deliver it up to a certain level because of the limitations with produce, to be you know quite mm-hmm. honest. And right. um, the farmer's markets in LA are the best in North America. Felix is really a, very much authentic Italian restaurant, but with California ingredients. And it's it's true farm to table. And um, our chefs go every day to the farmer's market. So it, the food is simple, but it's uh, Evan is such an incredibly talented chef doing the, the best level of cooking, which ends up being very simple and not manipulating the food a lot, which is what Italian food is. Mm-hmm. And using California ingredients straight from, you know, the farmer's market every day. So I think it's a, it's a good recipe for success. We're on a great street. Jelena, you know, the restaurant, Jelena, which is very famous for me, put Abitini on the map and, you know, they opened up about 15 years ago and they really started, you know, this kind of craze for that street. What are a couple favorite dishes that, that you really, that really stand out to you on the menu? Felix, we're, we're really known for the, the handmade pasta. So uh, we have this incredible pasta selection. Uh, some of my favorites uh, right now, a newer pasta that we're doing, which is a linguine a limone, so a lemon pasta. We do uh, tagliatelle a bolognese, so a meat sauce. Mm-hmm. And the tagliatelle is it's all hand-cut pasta, which is incredibly you know, time-consuming and meticulous work and very labor-intensive. And we have a pasta lab, but uh, you can really taste the, the love that's um, you know gone into this hand-cut pasta. Uh, there's also this uh, rigatoni alla matriciana, which is basically a tomato sauce with um, the pig cheek or the guanciale. Um, and then it's it's everything fresh from the farmers market. So the the vegetable section or the salads we do. It looks like a very simple dish, but it's a, a mixed green salad. But it's lettuces, a mix of lettuces and herbs straight from the farmer's market. And I think there's just nothing uh, fresher tasting and zingy dressing and deceivingly simple and so delicious is that dish. And, um, you know, when the artichokes are in season, we do these baby deep fried artichokes, which which is an amazing dish. And then, you know, our protein section, uh, I think, is also really strong. We have this ribeye cap that we do, uh, and it's all cooked on a wood-burning oven, and uh, branzino, we do a whole branzino, and um, a section of our menu, which um, isn't given enough attention, but I think it should be given attention, is our pizza, again, in a wood-burning pizza oven, and we do this one pizza alla romana, which is a very thin crust pizza Mm -hmm. with buffalo mozzarella, and uh, for me, I think it's um, one of the best pizzas I've ever had. 
Mm. I'm a big fan of pizza and I love thin crust and it sounds like you're doing it very authentically. <laughs> very authentic. You know, I imagine being in LA that a lot of big name VIPs must be swinging by. Um, any chance you could share a story or two? Sure. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the difference between restaurants in LA and Toronto is once in a blue moon, you see a celebrity come through and you get very excited. And really in, in LA, when you have a popular restaurant, every restaurant is going to see pretty much every celebrity. So sometimes we get asked that question and sometimes it's easier to say who has not been there. <laughs> Let's say Leonardo DiCaprio comes in a lot and Brad Pitt was just in about two weeks ago. Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro, Drake, who is uh, you know, a fan of, uh, he comes to my restaurant in Toronto a lot, Nervosa. Uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, a huge fan of Felix and, and does buyouts. Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> wow. And um, <laughs> we also did a, a private catering for them for Jay-Z's 50th birthday. So those are some those are some pretty good names. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, talk about <laughs> to name a few. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you ever starstruck? Ah, let's see. Um, you know, my husband Robbie Robertson, uh, you know, has brought me into a, you know a circle of his friends, and uh -huh. his closest friends are Martin Scorsese and Al Pacino uh -huh. and Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. And in the beginning, it was a little bit surreal because of uh, who he surrounds himself with. And um, now it's um, when it becomes something that's a little bit typical. It's not that I'm I'm not I'm certainly not jaded. These people are icons and legends, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, you kind of get used to it. And uh, at, at the end of the day, um, everyone's doing their jobs. These, these people are you know stand out in in their in what they do. But um, I'm 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 used to it <laughs> a lot more. And like I said, I don't want to say that. Felix is the only restaurant that sees celebrities. I mean, it just becomes part of your day-to-day -day and what you do. And the thing that you have to get more used to is backdoor entrance for celebrities, privacy, private tables, uh, tables for security. A lot of people come with their security. And so it's it's actually that becomes more kind of commonplace when you run a restaurant in Los Angeles. Right, right. And as you mentioned, I mean, you're married to Robbie Robertson. So I guess when you're married to a founding member of the band and a rock and roll Hall of Famer, it's kind of hard to get starstruck, right? Because you're kind of living with a star anyway, right? Yeah, he's, you know, he's really brought me deep into that <laughs> world. And, uh, you know, I, I sit around and listen to icons and legends and uh, tell amazing stories. So I, I feel I do feel very privileged, just special people to meet. Mm. And he's a fellow Canadian, right? So how did you guys meet? He's from uh, originally from Toronto and been in L.A. for decades. And we were introduced through mutual friends, other fine Canadians, uh, the Budman. So Michael Budman, co-founder of Roots, iconic brand. And uh, his wife, Diane Bald, they, uh, they've known Robbie since the 70s. And uh, Robbie, they, you know, they've designed leather jackets named after Robbie. And so they've had this great friendship and working relationship since the 1970s. And um, soon after opening Felix, uh, the Budmans came to me to rent out the restaurant. It was our first buyout for Diane. Diane was having a milestone birthday and wanted to rent out the entire restaurant. And they were 
throwing a big party and they have this this interesting group of friends like Michael Douglas and Wayne Gretzky and mm -hmm. you know everyone in between and so they were planning this big party and so I, I planned this party for them and it was our first buyout and through doing that we became really friendly with each other and they invited me to the party which typically I wouldn't do I'm more on the business side I'm organizing mm -hmm. the party I wouldn't show up to the party but they invited me and they really wanted to introduce me to uh, Robbie and they were hoping that uh, it would be a match and we met that night at her birthday party at Felix, which is very special. <laughs> then the romance began and we got married two months ago. Wow, that's amazing. What, what's it like being a newlywed? Some people say it doesn't change anything, but for us, it, it really did. And somehow it just turns that dial just a, a little bit more of a deeper level of commitment. And, and I don't know, we're just so happy that we... Uh, we did it. We were, we've been together five years and we got married on the day of our five-year anniversary. Oh, that's really sweet. I mean, you guys were set up by fellow Canadians. Do you, do you find it's pretty common for Canadians in California to kind of meet and introduce each other to other Canadians? Well, there's a lot of Canadians in Los Angeles. And uh, supposedly, this is uh, a statistic that I heard that there are more Canadians in Los Angeles than anywhere else in the world outside of Canada. Oh, wow. And so... <laughs> And then Canadians, uh, there's a, you know, it's a big, it's a big circle of uh, Canadians that know each other here and, and hang out and it's a, it's a tight expat group. So I end up uh, hanging out with a lot of Canadians. And when I moved here, and that's why it was easy for me to call LA home is I actually had a lot of friends living here. A lot of friends who come here, you know, a lot of, a lot of them are involved in Hollywood, uh, either they're directors or actors or something to do in, in Hollywood. And uh, it's, a, it's a really great community here. So it was, it was really easy. Uh, and I, I didn't feel like I was starting from scratch, uh, leaving Toronto. Yeah, that's really great. Having that kind of almost, almost like a support network all kind of in place. Yeah, yeah, which is which is important when you're, when you're, you know, looking for a second home, yeah. I feel. You know, we'd be remiss uh, not to highlight some of your other projects as well. Uh, what can you tell us about Stella? Stella is a very exciting project, and I'm partnering with Rob Gentile, who opened up the Bucas of Toronto. And um, so he's now moved here with his family. And we have a location in West Hollywood that um, a restaurant was there for um, 30 years, and it's a very known uh, location on Beverly Boulevard in Robertson. And uh, we're, we're building a 200-seat restaurant. Again, the same designer who built Felix and also built a few of my restaurants in Toronto, Wendy Hayworth, is a designer. And the food is going to be you know, really focused on what Rob Gentile does, which is a little bit more, I would call it coastal Italian, focused on fish and seafood and a little bit lighter fare, a little bit um, focused on cooking on a wood grill. Uh, but, you know, he also has his signature uh, thin crust pizzas. So definitely Italian, a little bit more focused on coastal. Yeah. And we're uh, under we're under construction right now. And we're looking at October to be open. That's great. Now, Janet, in the intro, we mentioned your work as a judge on Top Chef Canada. What's something about that role that surprises people? Well, um, that, you know, you might be at 9 a.m., um, 
first thing in your mouth is you're eating dessert and it's 13, <laughs> 13 dishes. And, um, oh, then um, that might be at 9 a.m. Then it might be at 10 p.m. You're at judge's table and you're trying to remember the 13 dishes that you ate with each dish. It's not a simple dish, right? Each dish people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. try to put their best foot forward and end up being 10 to 12 ingredients in each dish. So it's this, um, you have to have really good memory. That's wow. a memory of what you ate and the dishes and different ingredients in the dishes. Yeah. Before we wrap, um, let's talk about some of your favorite places in and around Los Angeles. Um, do you have a favorite outdoor spot you could share? When I have guests that come from outside of Los Angeles, I always take them to Nobu Malibu. Mm. And uh, you know, if you're coming from Toronto and you have a chance to have some incredible Japanese sushi and other Japanese cuisine while the ocean crashes against <laughs> a cliff. <laughs> I, I think it's a, a spectacular dining experience. So I'll, I take all the guests to Nobu Malibu is one of my uh, top places. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What about favorite outdoor spots? Like if you want to, you know, just experience some nature. Well, I mean, another, another thing that I do with um, uh, guests and friends that come from outside of Los Angeles is obviously I take them on hikes. And I have a favorite hike and it's Los Leones and it's kind of on your, it's, you know, uh, down the uh, Pacific coast highway towards Malibu. And uh, it is just enough of a hike that it's not going to be exhausting. And it it takes you 30 minutes to go up the Los Leones hike, you know, winding around 30 minutes later, you have this spectacular view of the ocean and you're, you know, all the way up and all the way down, like a full ocean view. And it's like a surprise when you turn this one corner and then it's just another 30 minutes down. So I, I think it's it's my top hike that I bring people on. It sounds gorgeous and highly doable. Like it doesn't sound like it's too strenuous. Yes, exactly. That's so great. All right. What about, let's say I'm an old friend visiting from up north and we want to go someplace for a meal or a drink uh, to catch up. Um, aside from Felix, what comes to mind? You know, Jelena is one of my favorite restaurants and they have the most adorable little garden. And it's, I think it's um, a real wonderful LA experience. Like I said, they've been there now um, 15 years and I love what they do. And it's, it's Mediterranean, but with a California twist Mm -hmm. to the food. So Jelena is a top restaurant and I go there and I take a lot of friends there and it's got a really cool vibe as well. So that's one of my restaurants. Um, A newer restaurant that I love, which is Middle Eastern is called Safi's. And um, this chef is very well known, and he started with Bestia and then Bevel, a Middle Eastern restaurant. Uh, and uh, it's just uh, such a fun uh, experience. So I like to bring friends there if they want to experience something new in a hot restaurant. If I want to take someone to a very, very special two Michelin star restaurant, it's Ennaka. She's a wonderful uh, Japanese chef, very tough reservation. Uh, but it's a very, very special experience. And she just opened up a more casual restaurant called En Soto. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's my list of kind of my favorite restaurants. Absolutely. All right, let's do one more. What's a favorite California road trip? And uh, what are some stops along the way? It's always the drive um, up the PCH. Uh, highway 1, Highway 1. And uh, do not veer off. Do not go back onto the highway. Just uh, hug hug the coast mm-hmm. and uh, drive up to Big Sur. And that is a trip that I've done over and over again. And, um, you know, I will make stops. Um, and uh, I, I think there's this one, it's called Taqueria Cruise. It's for tacos. And I think mm-hmm. it's in San Luis 
Abispo. Okay. And um, it's a great taco spot. So I always stop there. I love to do some glamping. And there's mm-hmm. this great resort called Tree Bones. And you can stay in a yurt there. And it's uh, such a wonderful experience. Um, and I would explore uh, some sites like the McQuay Falls or Bixby Bridge. Um, I always, like, for a special dinner, love to stop at the Post Ranch. And uh, they, they have a restaurant there called Sierra Mar. It has the most breathtaking views. Um, so I would do that. I would stop at the Esalen Institute, which is, uh, you know, uh, been there for, I think, over 30 years. And I would have a spa experience at Esalen Institute and enjoy their hot springs and uh, do a hike in Pfeiffer Park. And I would, I always stop at the, and sometimes I stay or I stop at the Ventana uh, Big Sur and either get a spa treatment there or stay at the hotel if I'm feeling fancy. <laughs> and the next morning, breakfast at Big Sur Bakery, a really fantastic bakery. And uh, that's, that's a trip I do often. I, I drive up the coast and go to, to Big Sur. It's beautiful. It sounds like you know how to do a road trip. <laughs> that sounded like I an amazing an idea or two. Yeah, really. That was awesome. That's amazing. Well, Janet, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Janet Zuccarini is an acclaimed restaurateur, entrepreneur, and Top Chef Canada judge. She's on Instagram at Janet Zuccarini, spelled with two C's. Her restaurant, Felix, is online at felixla.com. This is California Now. If you've been in earshot of a cartoon in the last few years, you've probably heard the voice of my next guest. Well, one of the many voices, I should say. Eric Bauza won an Emmy last year for his work as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and other Looney Tunes characters. And that's just the first line in a list of credits that scrolls on for pages. Born in Toronto and now residing in Los Angeles, he's even filled in for Antonio Banderas as the voice of Puss in Boots. Welcome to California Now, Eric. Meem. What's up, Satarius? What's up, California now? <laughs> oh, my God, that's so great. You know, you, you grew up in Toronto. So what first brought you to Los Angeles? Well, uh, honestly, it was the uh, the lure and invitation of uh, my, my mom's side of the family. Um, two of my mom's uh, brothers had lived out here. And uh, my, my uncle Danny, who passed away about two years ago now, he was always the, the influence on me being out here to work in animation. For whatever reason, he had the the crystal ball that magically predicted my career and my life here in L.A. You know, he, would, he was so nice and always so encouraging. And, of course, I got that same encouragement from my immediate family. My mom and dad always supported uh, my creative side. But for whatever reason, my uncle Danny was always interested in sending me newspaper clippings of like the LA Times entertainment section like Little Mermaid breaks box office records you know uh, all the early 90s Disney stuff and just the the appeal of that 90s renaissance of animation uh was was something that he always thought that I would succeed in I mean so I mean obviously you started out you've had this kind of bubbling within you like from an early age is it true that in high school you were the kid doing simpsons impressions while giving (laughs) announcements over the pa system well i again i've been blessed with the the luck of uh nurture and not to destroy as far as my creative uh side uh has has been uh you know part of part of my education 
you know, where most kids would probably get sent to the principal's office or uh, go to detention or sit in the corner uh, for being too <laughs> disruptive during class. A lot of my teachers kind of didn't hinder that creative spark that I had, that creativity. So, so rather than uh, scolding me for doing voices and impressions during class, they said, well, why don't you study first and then as a reward or a, a creative outlet tomorrow morning, you could do the morning announcements over the PA system, uh, you know, after the national anthem. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I would uh, hop on the PA system as Homer Simpson and go, Marge, the cafeteria has a special on pizza. Oh, oh, Homer, <laughs> that's bad for your cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You must have been like the most popular kid, you know, in school. Yeah, I, I was slowly kind of becoming like this. Oh, what's Eric going to say or do next in in high school? You know, I was, again, blessed with a very good, creative, kind of uh, nurturing high school experience. And then fast forward a few years, you end up winning an Emmy last year for your work on oh, Looney Tunes. Man. Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Oh, uh, I'm still sitting there listening to Mark Hamill's acceptance speech. Um, <laughs> you know, I was up against some uh, titans of voiceover, Gray Delisle, uh, who pretty much voices every female character on The Loud House for Nickelodeon. Uh, Tom Kenny, of course, SpongeBob from Nickelodeon as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank mm -hmm. Welker, a living legend who has voiced Freddie Jones and uh, now Scooby for many, many years. And uh, and Mar Mark Hamill, uh, a young up-and-coming <laughs> actor. I, I, I hear <laughs> yeah. he's really good, and I hope uh, he has a good career ahead of him. Right, a lot of potential uh, there, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and then... Uh, <laughs> And then uh, little old me, uh, who'd have taught? Who'd have taught that a kid from Toronto uh, would be, uh, you know, who would, who would voice Bugs Bunny? First of all, that's like the most outrageous thing to think that anyone, you know, growing up. Oh yeah, I'll be the voice of Bugs Bunny one day. Like, what? How does yeah. that even happen? And then this is actually a historic Emmy for for the character uh, because this is the first time anyone who has ever performed the voice of Bugs Bunny has ever won an Emmy Award or an award for the performance of this character in almost 83 years. Wow, that's amazing. That's really, that says a lot. That's that's incredible. Yeah, and again, I owe it all to Mel Blanc, who was the original actor behind the voice of, you know, 99.9% .9 of the Looney Tunes. He created all of these right. amazing personalities who, you know, 80 years plus we're still talking about. Right, right. So you worked also on the 2021 Space Jam movie with LeBron James. Um, tell us a bit about that experience. Oh, man, it was uh, pretty crazy because this was just before, of course, uh, COVID-19 decided to uh, make an appearance in our lives. And uh, I was lucky enough to record uh, with LeBron. I was the first actor on the job uh, to do temporary dialogue. They call it scratch dialogue recording. Uh, basically just... Um, a hired actor to kind of uh, bounce off of LeBron while he's in the booth getting his lines done. So I was basically there doing every Looney Tunes character. I, I was even doing Granny's voice, dearie. Yeah, I was doing <laughs> Granny. I was doing Tweety. Porky Pig. I say Foghorn Leghorn. Pay attention, son. Uh, Elma Fudd, be very, very quiet. I'm uh, <laughs> acting with Wabwan. Yeah, so like... <laughs> Yeah, I was doing all the voices, and uh, and then, of course, the pandemic, uh, and suddenly we're, we're all recording from home. Um, but I was still able to get the job done and then uh, do well enough to keep 
a few roles in the film. So, uh, if you want me to do a roll call, let's see. I was Daffy Duck, arguably the star of the movie. <laughs> Elma Fudd, as I said before, I'm gonna get that wascoey wabbit. Marvin the Martian isn't that lovely, my favorite illegal alien from outer space, <laughs> Earth creature. Porky pig. And a foghorn, I say foghorn leghorn. The lights are on, but nobody's home. <laughs> I don't even know how LeBron could keep a straight face while trying to do his lines after all that. He was pretty good, you know. He, he, he just, just <laughs> as he is on the court, he is as serious about his voice acting in the booth. And uh, it was really nice to meet like a, his entourage and friends, and they were they were the ones that were like fanboying and freaking out. So, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a good time. In addition to all the Looney Tunes characters, I understand you also do many other voices, like the Jetsons and the Flintstones and characters like <laughs> yeah. that too. Uh, yeah, the Flintstones. Uh, I I've done uh, Dino. <laughs> uh, you know, ho- Hoppy. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, for uh, Disney, I've done tons of stuff with Disney. Um, uh, I've done uh, Baby Fozzie on the reboot for Muppet Babies. Ah, waka waka. Why did the chicken cross the playground? <laughs> to get to the other slide? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, for Universal Pictures, I do Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> How you switch gears so quickly is pretty astonishing. I mean, it's you know who needs who needs therapy when you have animation. <laughs> um, it's a good it's a good outlet. Absolutely. So so you're in Los Angeles. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's where you live now. So whereabouts exactly? And and what do you love about living in L.A.? Well, again, I could not do what I do anywhere else uh, in the world, but like Burbank, California. That's where the magic happens. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I, I taught I taught an animation studio. I did, I did teach an animation studio. <laughs> so you know, you've you've rubbed elbows with quite a few household names, and I was <laughs> hoping to get you know one or two cool stories of you know somebody who like you never thought you maybe would be working with when you were growing up, and here you are with these all these like big stars. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I mentioned Mark Hamill earlier. I was working on an uh, uh, animated series for Disney by the name of Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. I played Amadeus Cho, who in the Marvel Universe is the seventh smartest man. Uh, for whatever <laughs> reason, he, he earns the bill of seventh smartest man. And uh, Mark Hamill played Arnim Zola, who is uh, one of uh, Spider-Man's uh, arch nemesis. He's the guy that's kind of like in the, in the old television tube. Um, and getting to watch Mark perform this character was just like, it was like a master class. And then afterwards you're there sitting with this guy who you've grew up with for decades (laughs) as Luke Skywalker. And, you know, you can't help but nerd out a bit. And he, he couldn't have been nicer. And, uh, you know, uh, to a point where he invited myself and some other voiceover artist over for a nice uh, afternoon at his house in Malibu, and he asked me to bring my son because he, you know, he's he's got kids of his own. So I guess he kind of was reminiscent of, of, of being a young dad, and <laughs> uh, looking forward to being a grandfather. I'm sure. 
And uh, yeah, we had such a great time. And I'm just like, what am I doing here? What is this life? <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're in Malibu. Yourself. Yeah, right. like in Malibu having like uh, Triscuits and tuna dip with Mark Hamill. Like it was <laughs> kind of the most insane thing ever. And of course, he's so generous. He he gifted my son a kind of like life-size Ewok doll. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, wow. again, couldn't have been nicer. And then uh, in the booth, I've spent time with, you know, um, over a Zoom connection with John Leguizamo. Hmm. I've spent time in person with uh, Danny Trejo. You know, wow. all of this on Boosh in Boots for the Antonio <laughs> Banderas. Uh, you know, he approved me as the voice of, uh, you know, for Puss in Boots for the series, which was awfully kind of him. Yeah, and, what a nice um, uh, stamp of approval. Yeah, and, uh, you know, for the sequel, I did all of the temp uh, dialogue before... He uh, came back in and, uh, you know, once again, knocked it out of the park as this character. Uh, it's it's not so much as kind of studying his native accent as much as how unpredictable he is in the booth. That, to me, is the challenging part mm-hmm. about doing an accurate Puss in Boots Antonio Banderas, you know, sound alike. It's, it's his unpredictability. Uh, and, yeah, you could YouTube it. You could see him behind the scenes on YouTube promoting the film. And you could just tell Antonio is having the time of his life when he is performing this character. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did, do you do a John Leguizamo uh, impression? Well, you know, uh, he was like, hey, so, uh, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, I'm, I'm sitting here in the booth listening to the voices and stuff, and, like, who, who the hell's doing Puss in Boots today? I know it's not Antonio, but who's 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 doing the voice? And, like, I stepped up to the camera, and he goes, that was you? Like, oh, was that's like, hilarious. He's like, you can't believe that this voice is coming out of this kid. You know, like <laughs> he was just so uh, taken. But like, you know, I, I am just in that much in awe of his performance. He was uh, he was doing a French accent as the voice of uh, Jack Spratt. Uh, and he was hilarious, you know, as as he always has been. So when you meet people like on sets and stuff, do you go home later and, be, and start like, oh, trying to do an impression of them or I mean how do you choose the people you start playing around with or you know impressions? <laughs> I don't know you know uh you know I do a a, a pretty good uh, Jeff Bridges man you know Jeff Bridges <laughs> uh, of course from the big Lebowski man you know there's nothing ties this room together like that carpet man uh you know which is very bizarre I just kind of uh I don't know I just kind of slide in and out of these uh these personalities <laughs> And yeah, it just, I guess it just depends again if, if I'm being asked to do, because I have been asked to do a, a Jeff Bridges voice match uh, for mm-hmm. a bunch of commercials that he was not available for that he okay. starred in the series. So, you know, I was kind of like that Jeff Bridges backup, man. It was kind of <laughs> cool, you know, that, um, you know, uh, this guy uh, who, again, I grew up watching, <laughs> you know, I didn't think I would be in this position, man. <laughs> uh, but That's yeah, it's great. it's it's so bizarre when you get to play around in this sandbox, um, and I and and then then get paid for it at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're really living the California dream. Every time I step into the grocery store, Doc, I get free carrots. <laughs> it's not true. It's not. True. <laughs> it's not true. Okay. <laughs> well, Eric, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. I so appreciate you guys having me on here as as you have had me in in the state for as long as I've been here. Uh, I I hope that the cartoons that we're producing are bringing lots of laughs to people that need it. 
And I guess there's only one real way to uh, end this, and that's by saying, That's all, folks. <laughs> Eric Bauza is the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and one million billion others. He's on Instagram at Bauzilla. That's B-A-U-Zilla. This is California Now. We've been sprinkling instrumental versions of a few songs by the Darcys throughout this episode. Well, now, here they are performing their single, Trouble Found Me, just for us. Trouble found me, trouble found me again. Pull me back in, it's what I was looking for. I guess I could use some more. A smile on a face I did it with style Yeah, I did it with grace Told anyone who'd listen That I'd change my ways But I won't change my ways Ever feel like you're losing Ever feel like you're losing You're losing control Trouble found me Trouble found me Again Pull me back in what I was looking for I guess I could use some more I tried to blame it on fate I did it for the kicks, yeah, I did it anyway Told anyone who'd listen that I'd leave this place But I'll get leave this place Ever feel like you're losing? Ever feel like you're losing? You're losing control Trouble found me, trouble found me again Pull me back in, it's what I was Looking for, I guess I could use some more Trouble found me, trouble found me again Pull me back in, it's what I was looking for I guess I could use some more Feel like you're losing, you're losing control. Ever feel like you're losing? Ever feel like you're losing, you're losing control. Trouble found me, trouble found me again. Pull me back in, it's what I was looking for. I guess I could use some more. Trouble found me, trouble found me again. Pull me back in, that's what I was looking for.
looking for I guess I could use some words What I was looking for I guess I could That's the Darcys with their single, Trouble Found Me. The two-piece, originally from Toronto, now reside in Los Angeles. Jason Kaus and Wes Marskell are here to talk about their music, why they relocated to California, what they love about the Golden State, and what they have in the works. Jason, Wes, welcome to California Now. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Sure. So I'm curious, how would you describe your music to someone who's never heard it before? It's the hardest question like that has ever been asked of me always, and I never <laughs> know how to answer it. Um, but I feel like it's, uh, it's it's sort of like energetic pop rock. You know, it's it's somewhat esoteric and and heady, but mostly just it's about yeah, creating a really fun, energetic live show. And I think that's sort of where we are best is seen live and performing and stuff like that. So that's something we really focus on when we're writing and creating music. Right, right. Now, the band is originally from Toronto, um, but you now make your home in Los Angeles. So where exactly are you in L.A.? Well, currently both committed to the east side. Uh, I'm in Echo Park and Wes is over in Silver Lake. And uh, I love it over here. I mean, you know, there's I'm right. I'm right by the Echo Park Lake. So, you know, there's lots of wild birds flying around at all times. (laughs) But, you know, you see people gathering and riding the swan boats and, uh, you know, you can see the Hollywood sign from here and it's just kind of got a bit of that that LA magic, which is really nice. Yeah, and the strip on Sunset right at Echo Park is amazing with like Low Boy and Monty's and uh, Quisados is not far away. And we can even like get to Dodger Stadium within 10 minutes. So it's it's an incredible space. And then where I live in Silver Lake, which is about a 20 minute walk from here, uh, I got a lot of stuff down there, including Daglo, which is like one of my favorite coffee shops. Um, and then when you get farther into Los Feliz, uh, home state. It's just such a good pocket. And I think coming from Toronto, I'm so used to walking and be able to get to places. So it's been really nice to f- settle in these places that feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, do you feel it's maybe just easier for you to be in California? I mean, snow jokes aside, <laughs> I've been you know, LA seems, yeah. I mean, LA seems like it may be like the ideal place to be musicians. Absolutely. I think everything that we've done, um, up until now felt almost like uh, training to come here. And then as soon as we got here, things leveled up so quickly and the access to, I like, we went to a, a music festival yesterday and, uh, or the other day and, you know, Dave Grohl was there. He's just hanging out and that access <laughs> to the top of the game is just here at all times. And there's a huge population of people to listen to what you're creating. So it's, it's pretty amazing and it's hard to, uh, rationalize ever leaving now that we know that that's here i find it incredibly encouraging because even just in a social way you meet people and you're hanging out and and they're like doing incredible things in their world and maybe it's in music but maybe it's in something else but you're like everyone's kind of firing at all cylinders and uh it's a good motivation to kind of go home and hone your craft a bit more and be like i need to work really hard and i need to really say something and do something that feels like it has some sort of gravity to it and some sort of commitment to an aesthetic because you know people are here to make it work and and that energy is kind of infectious i mean for canadians now living in southern california i'm sure you had a lot of maybe preconceived notions or you know many ideas about what it would be like so i was wondering can you talk a little bit about what you expected and then what the reality actually has been I thought there'd be a lot more vocal fry than there is, but <laughs> um, it, I think one thing I thought coming down here was that it would be difficult to 
connect and to break into the scene because it is operating at such a high level. But it seems like everyone here has this mentality that there's always going to be another wave. There's always going to be access. So get on it. Come with me. If if you, you know, go ahead, you'll come find me and bring me up. And it just it really is collaborative and community based. And I didn't think it would be like that until we got down here. And then, yeah, as soon as you start working on music and people say, oh, I know this person or I know this person and and it snowballs really quickly. And that that was a big surprise from the musician standpoint. And then I didn't from a personal standpoint, I didn't realize how much I would like it not snowing, but it really is a spectacular thing. It's just amazing. You can always drive to it if you want. No, it, right? I would never, though. No. It's not a thing in my life anymore. <laughs> what about meeting other Canadians or connecting with other Canadians? Do you find it easy you know, to do that in California? Yeah, it's kind of like we see each other, we find each other, and there's some sort of gravitational pull there. We're all looking out. We all know what it takes to, to make that leap, and it can be scary, and it can be isolating. And so it's nice to have a bit of a community around that, uh, trying to support each other and help each other connect. You know, we kind of started doing this regularly, regular thing where we try to get together all the various groups of people that we know. And there's a big quotient of Canadians in it. But, you know, they're, they're, they've got their feet in all sorts of different parts of the industry and different things that are going on. And they all bring interesting people into the kind of social circle. So, I mean, it's something that's really um, nourished our kind of world a lot. And it's, it's also just great to see people, you know, expand their horizons and try new things and like and take that risk on their you know, bet on their career like that. Really cool. Hey, I, w- I wonder if you'd play us another song. Uh, I-, I really liked Washed Away. Well, let's do Washed Away then. Here we go. Cool. Feeling toxic the day in a row. Serotonin at an all-time low Self-medicate, you know how it goes When you're caught up in the undertow So take my hand, I need your help Pull me up, come on, come on, pull me out I understand how far I fell Pull me up, come on, come on, pull me out Sucked in by the riptide and I'm losing my mind Everyone has got their hands out but they're waving goodbye Getting washed away, I'm getting washed away I'm getting washed away Expectations at an all-time high Work you over in a cocktail line Contact list they got all the time When you have something that they like So take my hand, I need your help Pull me up, come on, come on, pull me out I understand how far I fell Pull me up, come on, come on, pull me out I've been sucked in by the riptide and I'm losing my mind Everyone has got their hands out but they're waving goodbye Getting washed away, I'm getting washed away, I'm getting washed away Sucked in by the riptide and I'm losing my mind Everybody's got their hands out but they're waving goodbye Getting washed away, I'm getting washed away I'm getting washed away If you sing low 
never have to be alone I want you to know That I've been there before And I pull you out I pull you out I pull you out I pull you out If you sing love Love I've been sucked in by the riptide And I'm losing my mind Everyone has got their hands up But they're waving goodbye Getting washed away I'm 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 getting washed away very cool. So what was the thought process behind that song? Oh, wow. Actually, funny enough, we had this joke that we couldn't write music unless we were stuck in Canada in the <laughs> in the winter, because that's whenever whenever we wrote music before, that's when we did that. Um, and we were here. It's, a, it's this is a really tough place to be. And we were in L.A. We'd been here. I'd been here for a little while. Jason, it was sort of his first year here. And we, we couldn't write music because we were just enjoying life too much. We were, Jason got into <laughs> road biking. I'd been running a lot. We golfing, just there's so much access to so many fun things. And we needed a bit of uh, solitude, a little bit of darkness. And we, we went home to do something in Canada and got stuck there for a month. And we ended up <laughs> writing songs in the middle of the winter. And it felt like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I have this, uh, strange relationship to writer's block sometimes when it's when it's too nice and it's too lovely <laughs> in LA which is problematic because it's basically that all the time I wonder if that's part <laughs> of the Canadian experience when whenever the sun comes out it's like that first day of spring when everybody's on a patio in their shorts and a t-shirt and they get a cold because it's not actually warm enough right it's like you have to <laughs> it's 40 degrees so you can wear shorts yeah exactly you just feel like you have <laughs> to embrace every beautiful day moment and then yeah right. here you like oh the entire summer just went by and we're at the beach and walking in the park and going out for lunch and you know it's it's just hard to focus so i mean <laughs> i wonder if we'll ever we'll ever uh, lose that or we'll just have to find like a cold basement studio with no <laughs> windows so we can actually yeah. get something done You're right we'll pretend start, that it's not beautiful out start right. doing cryo <laughs> perfect you know the the video for that song is so much fun to watch there's a there's a part of it where you're both fully dressed standing in the ocean with waves crashing around you and your instruments and and at one point the drum kit yeah is getting washed away i mean was was that difficult to film no it was actually a fluke that wave just came up and and just sort of crashed over us i think that that <laughs> uh some of the drums are probably in san diego by now because we couldn't actually <laughs> oh, retrieve no. them from the ocean so oh, we boy. should go down there to try to find them <laughs> so listen, we want to hear about some of the things you do when you guys are not making music. I, you know, I, obviously you love to take advantage of LA's great weather and spend lots of times outdoors. So what do you like to do and, and where do you like to go to do it? It, ha it happened to a lot of people over the pandemic. I've been riding bikes my whole life, but uh, when I found myself with a bit extra time on my hands, I started riding more and more. And uh, one of the trips I made down here before I had moved, I brought my bike and I ended up in Malibu and some of the canyon roads and immediately knew that I was going to move here and I was going to ride my bike as much as I possibly could. <laughs> and I've uh, I've made good on that promise. I've been riding hundreds of uh, kilometers, hundreds of miles a week and going to regular group meetups. There's a, an awesome one in Griffith Park that meets every week. 
and various things are kind of organized at a bike shops and stuff like that. But the community is so diverse and, and deeply rooted around different parts of town. And it's just helped me get to know the city, which is really cool in the surrounding landscape and the different kind of like microclimate zones. And it really just like connect with the place because I've seen it from so many angles and you know, there's always a, a mountaintop that's not that far away. I mean, mm. it's a lot of work to get up there, but you know, the views are always amazing. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible tool for just like feeling really rooted here and, uh, yeah. and also getting pretty fit because yeah, it's, it's no joke. Like this is, I don't know. A lot of us talk about how this might be one of the best cycling cities in the world. So it's also fun because then you get to come back to Toronto and dunk on everyone for yeah. being super fast. On your true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been running a fair bit, which has been great also for exploring and through Griffith, through Elysian, and then even some some of the weekends I go down to Santa Monica or to Venice just to run the beach and, and, and explore. And it's just so easy and fun to have a good time kind of just doing nothing. Um, and then Jason, I do have a soft spot for going out for dinner. So if it's Bestia, Bavel, Safi's, Dunsmore. Like, there's just so many great restaurants. And coming from Toronto, which is branded as a food city, it's it's hard to um, to not realize how much great food is here. Maybe even more. Um, and so it's it's easy to uh, get caught up going out. I haven't done groceries in like three months. So <laughs> that's funny. Well, you know, I'd like to like find out like where else you like to go in the city. Like, say I'm an old friend from Ontario, and you're showing me around for the day. Where should we go to, to start our day? You know, it's really funny because I've been doing a lot of this. And um, mm-hmm. if, if any of my friends are listening, I'm actually busy for the next seven months. So please don't come visit. But it, it's really interesting because so much of L.A. is is coded into your brain from movies and things like that. So if you are in Griffith, you can go through that tunnel and you can, you know, feel like you're in Back to the Future or something like that. But then mm-hmm. there's also, you know, Hollywood and West Hollywood and the Walk of Fame and the um, the theater or or just going to like some of our friends that are like rock guys wanted to see like the Viper Lounge or the Rainbow Room and, and things like that as well. So it, it really scales depending on um, who's here, but everyone wants to go to the beach. So I think like Santa Monica is always an early trip. Get out there, get some water, see if they uh, actually want to go in because it is not warm just yet. But um, that's always fun. And then kind of drift over to Venice, walk through there, which is always cool and then you know find venice has like really great food and really great coffee and i think people don't realize that because they think of sort of the Dogtown version of venice um and so it's really mm-hmm. great to ro- walk around and, and that's usually an early um first day kind of thing for me and then obviously up to griffith so they can kind of get that layout um because that's the kind of stuff that is so amazing and incredible here um and then you can get into more of the city stuff like the right incredible right. thrifting and uh, the incredible food and coffee and everything is, yeah. is just amazing. Well, okay. So say you had somebody who wanted to do some shopping in LA. You mentioned thrifting. Are, are there any particular spots you would definitely take them to? You know, one of the most amazing things, and this is kind of where I, uh, most of my closet is from, is the Silver Lake Flea Market, which happens every weekend. It's actually in Echo Park, which is confusing, but it's very convenient for me. And you know, there's there's so many vendors and there's so many different things you can find there. And, you know, you start to know what booths carry the kind of stuff that you're feeling. But, you know, it's different every weekend. And there's a good scene. Lots of fun people that are hanging out there. There's usually a taco truck or two. Uh, and so and then they, they do that in Los Feliz. There's uh, an amazing one at Melrose. They're kind of all over town. There's one in Venice as well. Uh, and, the, and the Rose Bowl, of course, happens every month, which is kind of like the the absolute grand 
mother of all flea markets you know from looking for housewares or you know tiny vintage trinkets i think it kind of represents la on a whole where like no matter what you're into there's a home for you like any weird intersection of interests or cultures there's enough population here that there's gonna be that one little magical crossroads for you and something like going to the rose bowl they really have that like if you're into you know vintage japanese records from whatever it's like there's gonna be somebody with that booth and you can find the thing you've been you know pining after or whatever it is like old cameras or or cool mid-century lamps or whatever it is and i think it's kind of encouraging that way and it's, it's the same thing with restaurants and and all kinds of things like that where else do you like to take people like maybe it's a a spot with a view or maybe a classic la hang i mean any other places that pop out yeah i mean the uh Malibu, people hear about, they have all kinds of preconceptions of what Malibu is, and they think, I mean, the houses on the ocean and the super fancy ritzy elements. Right. But some of those hikes up there, especially this time of the year after all the rain, uh, you know, it's been emerald green and just overgrown with herbs, and it smells amazing. It, getting up there, there's so much gorgeous natural space. It's kind of like endless. Uh, and it's it's inspiring, you know, go, go for a hike and then go down to one of the the smaller beaches kind of like matador or something like that further up the coast and i actually went to point doom two weekends ago took my friend i said i saw a dolphin here once let's just go hike up this little ridge and and look over at the ocean and i kid you not i saw about 25 dolphins two whales (laughs) like it's just always going off there and it it feels like you're in planet earth um so (laughs) all the nature i think is absolutely incredible but i also really like taking people to Silver Lake or to Echo Park because that's where we live and that's where mm-hmm. the majority of our life happens. And um, I think that there is this very extravagant, glamorous version of LA that everyone wants to see, but then they always get, you know, you can get exhausted if you're doing so much tourist stuff all of the time. So spending time in in Echo Park, like Woodcat, Eightfold, Day Glow, like coffee shops are absolutely incredible. I think it's one of the best coffee cities in the world. Um, you know, the taco trucks are, are unbelievable. Guisados is unbelievable. There's so much great food just in this little pocket. And it just, I think it helps. And that's just like between, you know, coffee and lunch. Right. And so, right. um, I think that helps people realize and build out the scope of the city and how big it is. Cause you can go to one little pocket and be like, wow, I think I might've just had the best coffee I've ever had. And you're like, yeah, but there's <laughs> 30 more of these places. You just got to keep going. And I think that right. that's really nice for people to just walk around and like, and then, Canadians, they all want to go to Trader Joe's. That's like a big thing. So you got to take them to Trader Joe's. They buy the bagel spice or whatever they want. You got to take them. Actually, I want to mention this place called The Heights Deli. And we go there for subs every once in a while. And they're so good. We just get the turkey sub or whatever. It's like nothing out of this world. But, you know, to get a simple food item done in a really beautiful, fresh, solid way. You know, they're not reinventing the wheels. Just good. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. I, I, yeah. On that topic, I think the other thing that I really love about Los Angeles is that um, as a guy with some food restrictions, self-imposed re- food restrictions, and uh, Jason with some lactose intolerance and <laughs> things like that, uh, <laughs> like within walking distance from my place, there's two uh, veggie smash burgers that are absolutely incredible. And I feel like if without context, if I put it in front of you, you might not even know the difference. If you don't drink, it doesn't matter. If, you know... Any menu has so many different, you know, variations and options for people. And I think that you can really live 
whatever version of your life you want to and still go get like a really high-end meal and it's not super stuffy and i think people are very accommodating and i really love that about los angeles nice nice this all sounds like so much fun and you guys have really like you know dug into your new hometown i mean this is amazing but before i let you go i have to ask what's next for the darcy's oh that's a great question thanks so much for asking uh you know, we're trying to finish this record. We keep getting wrapped up in these amazing projects that are all rolling out this year. And and as I was saying before, like, it's so wild how you come down here and all of a sudden these bigger, wilder projects just scoop you up. And so we've been working on some pretty big records that are all due to come out at the end of this year and next year. And then we look at each other at the end of every session or night and say, we're still in the Darcy's and we have to write and finish that record. So we're working on that right now. Um, we're most of the way done. It's queued up for the fall, but uh, I don't know. It might be a winter thing. It might be a winter thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, we might need to fly back to Canada. And, yeah, and there you go. Set up a studio <laughs> in an igloo or something just to, to actually focus. That's hilarious. Well, Wes, Jason, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks so much for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Jason Kaus and Wes Marskell are the band The Darcy's online at thedarcys.ca. They're on Instagram at The Darcy's. You can find their music in all the usual places like Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website and order the all-new 2023 California Road Trips Guide. That's at visitcalifornia.com slash travel guide. Oh, hello there. Uh, this is a uh, p- 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 uh, Porky Pig, and you've uh, you've been uh, li- li- uh, you've been li- 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 listening to California now. <laughs> That's all, folks.